Good morning, everybody. It is man coverage. This is Knoxville Nate and James Bonneville. Good morning to everybody. It is 11 a.m. 3-20-2022. We are here to discuss college football for you one more time. We have a little March Madness uh, going on right now as well in college basketball. Uh, not going to talk about that today. <laughs> uh, <laughs> because I am uh, still pissed off. You know, I didn't even care if Tennessee lost, but it was kind of who they lost to uh, was was my issue. Um, but it's pretty good basketball being played. Mr. Bonneville, how are you doing this morning, sir? It better be a crime. I like it. I like it. We've got a very special guest coming on the show today, a Ohio State Buckeye running back legend. Mr. Pepe Pearson, uh, now a coach, running backs coach at Tennessee State University under the direction of a one Mr. Eddie George. You may have heard of him, won the Heisman. Uh, in fact, Pepe took over for Eddie George he at did. Ohio State as a running back. And, you know, replacing a legend, never easy. Pepe got it done. Uh, junior season ran for over 1,400 yards and 17 touchdowns. So, uh, this guy knows knows how to play uh, football, knows how to uh, run the ball, and uh, knows how to coach it. So we're going to talk to him, get a little feedback from him about ball, current state of the game, their program, Tennessee State, what they've got going on there, uh, dig into their culture a little bit, and um, and get after it. So looking forward to talking to him. But the first thing we need to get into is, obviously, we've discussed at nauseum on this show, the NFL scouting combine. Uh, some of the participants chose to not do certain things at the combine because they want to hit up their pro day. And um, the team that shall re remain nameless that resides up north of here uh, had their pro day a couple of days ago. What was it, Thursday? Yeah. And um, one of the top two players – Ripped his Achilles, and of course, I'm talking about David Ajabo, outside linebacker, number one rated outside linebacker in this draft. Unfortunately, rips his Achilles in his pro day, and you know I'm not a fan of this school or this program, but this kid is a great story and a hell of a football player. And I've got to be honest, I'm I feel horrible for him. And James, I want to ask you, what does this do to his draft stock? Because it certainly doesn't help it. I, I think he was going to, it would be hard pressed to see a job get out of the top 10 just off his metrics alone. Um, I, I, but now after this, I mean, it, it's funny. We always kept hearing the argument. Well, he could get hurt in the bowl game. Yep. He got hurt working out with that one pad on. Right. Um, and my heart goes out to him and his family because he just lost a lot of money here. But I, I keep saying it in my head that you're going to see a team like getting end of the first day, you're going to see somebody trade back up either end of the first day or beginning of the second day to go after him because it kind of like Jalen Smith, when he got hurt in the bowl game against uh, when Notre Dame played against uh, um, Ohio state and Dallas came back up early second round, I think got him like what first or second pick in the second round. I, I, I you can't let talent like that go by too far. And somebody's going to make a move to go after that and just sit and wait on it. Um, 
and see how that transpires. Now, it, it'll be interesting. I mean, what are your thoughts, Nate? I, 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 you think you don't think he drops out of the top ten? Oh no, he'll drop out of the top ten. Absolutely. Okay, I just I think that's what you said. I thought you I, said he's not making it out of the top ten. No, I say he's not. Ma- I, I say I don't think he makes it out of. You know, I thought maybe the end of the first day he could be he could get drafted, if not early the second day. This yeah. is very similar to Jalen Smith. Yeah, that's kind of what I was thinking. Now, this guy's a more of a pass rusher. Yes. So um, I'm thinking, you know, maybe beginning of the second round, honestly, is probably as far as he goes because, uh, you know, we saw Cam Akers come back last year yeah. for the L.A. Rams, uh, tore his Achilles in, in um, you know, fall camp and training camp, and he was back playing in the playoffs. Yeah. So, you know, not – it's still a very serious and severe injury, but not as crazy uh, as it used to be. So, and, and this guy, like I said, it's a pass rusher. This league puts a premium on pass rushers. I think that um, I think he'll be back. I think he'll probably miss some time, obviously, in his rookie season. May not contribute a whole lot year one, but if you can get a pass rusher on a rookie contract in the second, third round. Uh, you know, you're doing pretty good for yourself. So I, I don't think he falls out of the second round, in my opinion. The hard part I have with this is there are so much, so many edge rushers around in this draft. Does this, I mean, it's simple supply and demand issue. Does that hurt him just in that fact? I, I mean, I, I don't know as of yet. I mean, I, I can tell you this. I think every team under the sun is going to keep very quiet until draft day of their true intentions. No one's going to even sniff. If not, they're going to talk him down like he could be drafted, you know, middle of third day. He will get drafted, and I still say he doesn't leave the second day. But, yeah, I mean, he's I, – I still see it end of the first day because you get that five years on that contract, and by year, you know, year two, he could be back to full strength, and you got him for pennies on the dollar. Right. Yeah, that's my point is you're going to get you're getting a pass rusher on a rookie deal who, you know, is not going to be even a first round and probably not going to be a first round uh, type of contract. So, you know, I think that his value is not hurt that bad. Now, obviously, like I said, it's still a pretty significant injury. It's something that's going to drop him way further down than he would have gone. I, I, I projected him as a top 15 pick. Uh, to to start this all off, I mean, yeah, I, I really did, um, but I, I don't see that happening anymore. Do you? No, I don't. I, I I think that's completely out the window. I mean, just there's so much depth at that position to begin with. I mean, you could get a good quality edge rusher in a third or fourth round in this draft. It's a true story. Um, you know, not the most marquee uh, quarterback draft that we've got going on right here, but we do have a lot of pretty good pass rushers. We've got some good linemen. We've got some good linebackers. We've got some good players, good depth at wide receiver. We're going to get into the uh, draft today. Actually, we're going to talk about that quite a bit, Um, but I did want to hit on a because as you mentioned, these guys, you know, sit out the bowl game because they don't want to get injured, but you can get, you know, you can die driving home, uh, from working out at the gym, getting in a car wreck. So there's risk in everything that everyone does. And Heck, I just feel bad for this kid. Hey, you look back at Jeff Kent. I mean, when he played for the Giants, he got hurt, you know, 
working on his truck. I mean, granted, it was a complete lie, but, you know, <laughs> the old second baseman for the Giants got hurt doing something else. But, no, you're absolutely right. I mean, heck, look back at Moises Alou rounding second base, and his knee crumbles right in front of him. I mean, it's it's crazy. So I just hope he recovers quickly and has a strong prof- uh, professional career. Yeah, I do too. And um, I don't know if you heard the news that came out um, about two days ago, but uh, the the transfer portal is still going strong. Um, You know, the transfer portal, as we mentioned, is never going to really die down. And, um, you know, the the spring practice will dictate what a lot of guys do, uh, do. And there will be some transfers after that. Uh, but I have to admit, I was a little shocked. Uh, I believe it was on Friday when I heard the news out of Gainesville, and that is that Emory Jones is uh, decided to leave. Now he was in the portal, he pulled out of it, uh, and now he's going back in it. So I'm real confused as to what the hell's going on here. And you know, I, I thought I thought it was actually a good idea for him to stay. We talked about it on our show. A week ago about the quarterback battles going on. Obviously, they have Richardson. Uh, They've got Jack Miller, who transferred from Ohio State. But I kind of pegged Emory Jones to have a good shot of winning this job. Why is he he leaving now? I actually predicted this last week. I thought it was going to happen after spring ball. Um, I think they're they're already rolling the dice with Richardson. I mean, I'm already seeing people – you know, the hype on Richardson is so large – that you're seeing people putting him in the top three picks in the 2023 draft. Now, I, I, I mean, I wouldn't mind him actually seeing him play an entire game first before <laughs> yeah. we start, like, you know, mapping out his Hall of Fame career and measuring him for his jacket. Uh, but I, I, I honestly, if I'm Emory Jones, I think this is a good move. Um, the question now becomes where to go. Um, I think there's a couple really interesting landing spots. And it's kind of the same way of JT Daniels putting his landing spots out there too, as well. Um, schools like Oregon State, West Virginia, and uh, the third one is mis- uh, escaping me as we speak. Oh, Texas Tech is keep coming up. Um, I, I, I think no, not Texas Tech. It's um, bear with me here, but I mean you could see those type of there, there's going to be more opportunity you know, come springtime where you're, you know, even if you're coming out of spring ball and you think you're the guy, you may not be the guy. Oh, it's Missouri. It's Missouri with, uh, with the, uh, alpha nerd, um, coaching. So I, honestly, if I'm Emory Jones, I don't think I'd want to go to Missouri. I, I would look somewhere at the West Virginia actually makes a lot of sense to tell you the truth. Yeah, I mean, I, I like West Virginia. Actually, my, Missouri, I think, isn't a bad spot because he could compete for that job yeah. uh, right away. So I, I don't really have a problem with Missouri either. And then I've also heard Florida – or excuse me, um, I've heard um, Arizona State thrown in the mix after Jaden uh, – Oh, that makes a lot of sense, through. actually. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. They're looking for uh, a quarterback right now. Uh, I know that uh, you know they're, they've been linked – uh, to Emory Jones in the past couple of months, uh, just with their need at quarterback since since they kind of knew that Daniels was out of there. And, you know, since uh, Emory Jones had already predicted that he was going to leave uh, prior to talking to Coach Napier and him uh, getting him to agree to stay through the spring. Well, that didn't last long. 
because uh, now he's gone. You know, the one thing that keeps like boggling my mind is how um, people. I mean, everybody's looking at the Power Five jobs for quarterback transfers right now. But there's a lot of group of five jobs, i.e. a program that really has not been a traditionally good program in the Akron Zips. I mean, Joe Moorhead has done traditionally really well with quarterbacks, yeah. even under the most you know pedestrian of systems. And an Emory Jones and Akron would really be intriguing. I mean, granted, people in the South probably don't even know the Mac really even exists, but Man, that there is some real possibilities there because that that is that could be interesting putting him up in that system and play getting back to the old Mac days. Yeah, he's also he's been linked to Akron. He's also been linked to North Texas, Arkansas State, and Rice. So you know we'll, we'll keep an eye on this one. Obviously, Emory Jones, uh, JT Daniels, those are the two biggest names in the portal as we speak. And that um, will grow. Yeah, There's yeah, no. So- uh, Florida is still, you know, trying to figure out what they're doing because Anthony Richardson, their uh, quarterback who's competing for the starting job, probably going to win it. He's recovering from offseason knee surgery. Uh, so you got him, Anthony Richardson, trying to come back from knee surgery. You've got Jack Miller, the transfer uh, from Ohio State. You've got Carlos Del Rio Wilson. You've got Jalen Kitna. Uh, they got a lot of guys in the mix there, and it should be interesting to keep an eye on that uh, quarterback race. Uh, down in Gainesville. So we'll see what happens. Let's talk real quick here. We got some time. I want to dive into our uh, top five draft picks. Uh, Five guys that I think are going to do well in the NFL draft and do well in the NFL as rookies. Uh, Just some dudes that we've identified across the board. Maybe not the top five guys that are going to be taken, but the top five guys that we like and think are going to get – you know, some some solid playing time as rookies and guys that we think are going to transition well uh, to the league. I'm going to let you uh, go first, Mr. Bonneville, and give me who you got on your list. Uh, Zion Johnson, Boston College guard. I, I have been talking about this guy forever. Uh, transferred up from Davidson to Boston College. He just looks better and better every day. Uh, honestly, I, I I can I see great things with this guy. I mean, it's an interior lineman position. It's not glamorous, but this kid's just a mauler. Uh, I I'm a big fan. I, I I could see a lot of places. I mean, heck, I, when I first started watching this kid, I kept seeing fourth and fifth round potential, and I actually saw a mock draft where he went in the top five. Yeah, and I I was kind of blown away that. I, I, that people are seeing that. I mean, a perfect spot for him, no matter what round it would be, be the Giants. I think they've need some help on that interior uh, offensive line. I think he would be a fantastic pick. I think the kid just, you could tell this kid plays with a lot of heart and I like watching this kid play. So Nate, what are your thoughts? Yeah. I mean, this, this draft I think is pretty solid on offensive linemen. And I think he is probably one of the best interior uh, guys, I like the center out of Iowa. Uh, it's oh, probably my number one. The bomb? Yeah. yeah, Lindbaum. Yeah, absolutely. Lindbaum is definitely probably my, my number one. Uh, but this guy's a close number two probably uh, as far as you know, getting somebody on the uh, interior three spots. It, it, it's funny you mentioned Lindbaum. There are two videos that come across, and I know they're going to both show them on draft day. One is um, 
there was a play he ran against, I believe, Iowa State, where he was running a, uh, he was doing a kickout, and um, they doing a sweep, and he was leading the sweep from the center position, and he was screaming down the line so fast, you would swear he was a running back. I mean, it was crazy how fast he got down the line. The speed he has for his size is just amazing. And then the next video is him against uh, Tristan Wirfs, the first round draft pick, I think fourth pick in the draft last year or two years ago by yeah. the uh, Tampa Bay Bucks, uh, where they wrestled in high school and Lindbaum won. Yeah. Um, and Wirfs is no small fella. He's a freak. I, yeah. I, I mean, I, I think people don't understand how good Lindbaum truly is. And I, I agree with you 100%. And I'm a Gopher fan. And I mean, how often do you see a center dictate the offense? And Not that's what that's what he did. I mean, for Iowa last year, there was nothing else really besides him and Goodson. Not much there. Yeah. Who else you got? You know, I keep coming back to Derek Stingley. Um yeah, you know, you look at the COVID year, he did not look good. But granted, Bo Pelini was running a lot of zone coverage, more man down the end. But people were so down on the defense, they stopped talking about him. And quite frankly, in 21, he didn't look that great either. But in 19, many people thought he was the best player on that team that won the national championship yeah. as a true freshman. Yeah, I still think that ability is there. Um, your longtime fans are going to know about it. Now, the question, where does he go? The $6 million question. I think he can go anywhere between 5 and 20, but the speed's there, the talent's there, the hip explosion is unmistakable. It, it's remarkable how it is. Um, it, it, I think he, this kid, now he's going to get drafted well. I could see him being in the Pro Bowl within the first two years. I, I, I could agree with you. I, I think this guy is probably the most talented defensive back in this draft, in my opinion. And uh, the reason for the pause there was I was watching uh, the video of David Ajabo's injury. And uh, I don't know, it was really weird. Somebody, uh, a guy, Bucky Brooks, I don't know if you know him, but mm -hmm. he uh, tweeted out that he, he, he was kind of concerned with the uh, NFL's cold business attitude I saw that. Yeah, there's all these yeah. scouts and coaches standing around, and they're just kind of like, get this guy out of the way, and didn't seem to care that uh, dude was injured. I, I just don't think anybody realized how severe it was. True. Um, you had a no-contact drill going on, and a guy rips his Achilles. So, uh, Well, but not yeah. only that, I mean, you've got other guys there, and they see that kind of injury that they start thinking, you know, could this happen to me, and do they lay off? On yeah. something like that where you just keep going through the motions and see what happens from you know like get, get let guys get their best thing out and we'll deal with him later on but i i agree with you when i saw the video it kind of turned my stomach as well yeah well i just don't think anybody realized how bad he was hurt in my opinion so i'm going to give those people a little bit of a a little bit of a break because i don't think they realized that his achilles ripped but uh yeah who i like stingley who else you got you know charles cross um you ah. know <laughs> You know, the Mississippi State, I mean, offensive tackle. You know, I, I, I think, you know, you're going to need a very pass-heavy team, but you look at his metrics and how he, he shapes up, he's very good. I mean, he's He's very my good. number one. He was my number one guy to talk about. So that's I, why I, I've seen him on the screen right now. I, I, I'm, I, I like him a lot. I mean, granted, he doesn't fit all systems. Um, you know, he like a very pass-first offense. 
um, I think he would fit with, uh, like a Green Bay with Aaron Rodgers there, Grandpa Rodgers. Um, there's a lot of places where he could fit where they just they're they're that pass heavy, but if they're very run heavy. I would probably take a pass on him. I mean, what are your thoughts? He's my favorite tackle in the draft, in my opinion. Um, I just like his bend. I like the way he moves. Yeah. I like him. I mean, let's be honest, man. The NFL is a passing league now. Oh, completely. Um, so almost every team is is lighting it up, throwing the ball 30, 40 times a game. Um, this guy, you know, I, is he the best run blocker in this draft? Maybe not. No. But I yeah. think he is the best pass blocking left tackle in this draft. And I just like the way he moves. I like his bend. Um, I like his arms. I like I just like everything about him. And he he's my favorite left tackle in this draft. If I was picking a left tackle, he would be the guy I would take. The guy I would probably go next is the guy who I think is the most complete left tackle. And they're very similar is, and you know where I'm going with this is Iki Iguano from, uh, from North Carolina state. Um, his run blocking is phenomenal. There's no, there's one highlight. Um, I've seen time and time again, where he's downfield 30 yards downfield, and he is still picking that guy up. Uh, I mean, he's outrunning his running back. Uh, I, Quite frankly, there's similarities between him and Charles Cross are unparalleled. Cross is better at pass protection. Iguano's better at run. Uh, both, quite frankly, shouldn't get beyond picks number seven, to tell you the truth. I, I think, quite frankly, I think you're going to see some trade-ups this make see that happen. Yeah. Who else you got? Um, Somebody who just intrigues me as a whole here. Give me a second. Get back to my notes. Is... Bear with me here. Jordan Davis. Oh, no, take that back. Let's talk about Sauce Gardner. You know, kind of in the Derek Stingley mold, except he's got more recency bias with us right now. People have seen him more, and he's still never given up a touchdown pass, and he's making that well-known. Um, he's got the size. He's got the speed. I, I want to look back at his recruitment because just his metrics alone, I'm shocked that – somebody didn't get him like a bigger power five school or he just bought into what coach fickle was doing down in uh down in cincy i mean what are your thoughts yeah no i i think he's one of the top corners in this draft i like stingley a little bit better just total uh skills ball skills ability um athletic ability as a defensive back as a whole i just think stingley's got a little bit higher of an upside a little bit higher of a ceiling but Agreed. I don't think you. I don't think you can go wrong with with Sauce either. Um, he proved being on the field, playing as many games games as he did, that he's an NFL prospect and a guy that could uh, get on the field as a rookie, in my opinion. Uh, maybe not starting at the outside position, but potentially being a slot cover guy, nickel corner. I think you could get him on the field uh, in, in year one. I, the one thing I like about Gardner more than Stingley is he's better at the point of attack. Like he can come up and play press and beat up a receiver on the line of scrimmage much better than Stingley could. Um, it's not like Stingley's bad. It's just Sauce Gardner's really good at it. And he, he's, he comes out of his breaks pretty well. So, Yeah, I agree. Um, so I like it. I like all your guys. Um, I think, is that five? I, believe that's I got five. five. All right, great. Let's run through. We're running out of time, but let's run through my guys real quick. 
as I've got four because we already talked about Charles Cross. He was my number one. I like him. I think he's a good, good, solid player. Um, but I do want to talk about my favorite wide receiver in this draft. Obviously, I love Chris Olave. He's a great player, all-time leading touchdown guy at Ohio State. Hell of a wideout. But um, for some reason, I got Garrett Wilson ahead of him. Um, I just look back at the game that Garrett Wilson missed, and it was like our offense wasn't as good. Uh, the Buckeyes just didn't seem as explosive. They didn't have that go-to guy on third down. Um, it just, I don't know. This guy's just a matchup nightmare. I've never seen anybody that can cover him and stay with him. I mean, look right there. He's covered, still caught the ball. Um, he's just a total freak as far as his running ability, his route running ability, his ball skills, his football IQ. I don't know. This is a guy, if I had needed a receiver and I was picking in the first draft, uh, first round of the draft, this is who I take. What do you think? I, I honestly, I look at him as the best receiver in this draft. Honestly, Thank you. That's yeah. I, I mean, I mean, granted, it's a weird draft because it's so deep at receiver, and he's really good, but he's not a freak. You know, he doesn't have like that sub four three speed. He just does everything. He has no holes in his game. He's really good route runner, really good pass catcher, gets off the line of scrimmage well. I mean, he's got it all. But he just yeah. doesn't – he doesn't have that one thing that, like, just like, oh, my God. Like, he just kind of blows your mind. Yeah, I like him. Um, I think he's definitely my favorite receiver. And, honestly, my favorite running back is this guy. Um, I know the Buckeyes kind of shut him down. But other than that game, I didn't really see anybody slow down Kenneth Walker the third. Uh, I know he was he transferred in. He only played at Michigan State for one year. But, wow, uh, what a year. I mean, yeah. this guy catapulted this whole team. And let's be honest, it wasn't their quarterback that made Michigan State a contender in the Big Ten and a, and a premier program in college football was this guy. Uh, he was just unstoppable. And there was a lot of times where everybody knew, like on this play, he was getting the ball. He did get the ball, and they still couldn't stop him. So this is my favorite running back in the draft. I also loved him at the Combine. He participated in every drill, every event. He ran an unbelievable time. Uh, I liked his short shuttle. I liked his three cone. There's nothing I don't like about this guy. What do you think? Yeah, I agree. I, I see him going middle, second round, maybe early third, but I, I agree with you a lot. I'm having a hard time trying to figure out the comp on him, on uh, who he – I just – I can't figure it out. I mean, maybe ETN. Uh, but ETN was more like longer and had a longer stride. I this guy's I'm, a little thicker than ETN. Yeah, he is. Especially from the hips down, he's really his his leg strength is just it, 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 it's under underrated in many ways. Yeah, the only thing I worry about him is uh, he's not the greatest receiver out of the backfield. Yes, uh, but yes. I think that's something he can improve on, and I think some that's something he'll get better at. Um, but you know, look at this. I mean, this is tackled four yards deep in the backfield. Yeah. Uh, no, 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 he's not. Uh, you know, he turns a, a play where he should have been a negative four into like a 25 yard gain. So that's what I like about him. He's definitely my favorite running back in this draft and a guy that I think can, can start, uh, day one, um, two, I'm going to go to my two favorite linebackers in this draft. And one of them is Devin Lloyd out of Utah. Um, you know, Todd McShay's got him as the number 11 overall prospect. I don't know if I've got him that high, but I definitely think 
if you need a linebacker, uh, this guy is, is who you want. I mean, you see him here. He, he's good in the run game. Uh, he's decent in coverage. I mean, I, there's not much this guy can't do, and, and he brings the wood with him when he comes. I mean, he's a thumper, and uh, that's that's what I like about him. I mean, I, I watched him in the Rose Bowl, and, and he was causing Ohio State all kinds of problems in the first half. He can make splash plays and, and uh, get interceptions and cause fumbles, and then he can also – just tear you up. Like, I mean, look at, look here. You could jump up, block down passes. There's nothing he can't do. I mean, intercepts it, scores a touchdown. This guy's a playmaker. And I think a real reason why Utah had the season they did. It's funny watching him because the Rose bowl kind of like he shot off the page for me at the Rose bowl and that he is the prototypical Kyle Whittingham kid. You know, he just has that lunch pail, hard hat mentality. And it's, Absolutely. Now, combine that with great metrics. I mean, the, yeah, he, he the, the the combine did him a lot of good. He is going to make a lot. He made a lot of money over the weekend that weekend. Yeah, I agree. Uh, he was pretty solid. And uh, the last guy that I've got here um, is going to be a linebacker. You may have heard of him. Uh, I, you know, I said two linebackers. The second one is the kid out of Alabama. And that's Christian Harris, another dude that I think really tore it up at the combine, um, just ran a lot faster than I thought he would. And uh, short shuttle, three cone, all those were really good times. He proved he was strong on the bench. Um, this is a dude that I really thought was the bright spot of Alabama's defense this year, which at times, you know, was criticized. Um, I didn't have any criticism of him. I think he's a, a, a great all around player, you know, good tackler, uh, can can do pretty well in coverage, but also, you know, great against the run. What do you think about Harris? Uh, Christian Harris, I, I, I actually, I'm more amazed about the transition this young man took from the time he was in high school to the time he now finishes in the draft. He was originally a cornerback his senior year of high school at University Lab in Baton Rouge. And to transition that to be, a linebacker that quickly and put on that much weight because he had to play quickly. Cause remember that was the year that Alabama had a lot of injuries. So he probably put on 40, 50 pounds of weight, probably within a, Oh, six month time frame. So, I mean, that's a testament to Pete Golding, uh, their DC there, as well as that uh, strength and conditioning program, which is, you know, everybody still talks about to this day, that they were able to keep him, bring him up that much, but still not lose any speed in the process. And look where we're at today. He's being talked about in the draft. And I agree with you. I mean, not only does he have great instincts um, going downhill, but it's his pass protection instincts as well. I mean, you can keep him on, on the field all three downs. Yeah, I actually think I may like him a little bit more than Lloyd, but I don't know. Uh, I agree. I agree with you. I like Lloyd a lot, but I, I the more I think about it, the more I think this guy's might be the answer. And uh, I think one of the best linebackers and one of the best players in all of college football. And, you know, just another one in the great line of uh, Alabama LB. So, yeah, uh, like Christian Harris, uh, we are going to keep going and talking about the draft quite a bit as we move along. But right now, uh, we've got our uh, guest is going to join us. Uh, not very often that you get to talk to a legend. So I'm going to pop him on right now, see if you he can hear us. Coach, you hear us okay? Yeah, I can hear you. Awesome. How are you doing today, Coach? 
I'm doing great. How, how about you? All right, we're doing well. Thank you so much for joining us. I know you've been up uh, early this morning uh, getting back home. So I hope you had a good day yesterday in Columbus. Yeah, it was uh, it was a great day. Um, got a chance to uh, do an autograph signing up there and be with some former uh, great running backs at uh, from Ohio State. So uh, definitely a great time, but uh, good to be back. Nice. Yeah, I hope you got to catch up with some of your old boys and uh, get to hang out a little bit uh, back yeah. at CBUS. Oh, yeah. Uh, you had the likes of uh, Butler by Note, Vince Workman, you know, some legends, Carlos Snow. You had Carlos mm -hmm. Hyde there, nice. myself and, uh, you know, a few others. So it, it, it was a it was a nice show. Awesome. I'm glad you guys had a good time. It looked like a pretty good group of legends getting together. We've been talking a little college football today, uh, breaking down, uh, you know, the offseason. We've been doing, um, you know, pro days. We've been doing the combine action. And I know you guys are getting ready at Tennessee State to do a little spring ball. Is that correct? Absolutely. Uh, we, you know, we've started up. Uh, we've already had three practices. So um, and uh, we're excited about what we've seen so far. So, um, you know, coming in last year in May, uh, we came in on the back end of what spring ball was supposed to be. Uh, so we really didn't uh, get a chance to have a spring ball. But uh, it's just refreshing to be able to do that and imp implement everything that Coach George uh, and his vision wants. And uh, it's, it's really been good. It's been a good three days. Coach, uh, James Bonneville here. Hey, tell me a little bit about your recruiting process coming from, you know, Euclid going to Ohio State. Like, who else were you looking at? And plus, during your high school process, were you get was there a lot of pressure on you to stay in the home state and play for Ohio State during that time period? You know what? Um, things were in the back in the 90s. Things were a little bit different. Uh as far as the recruiting process goes, uh, we didn't necessarily have the two, four, sevens and uh, the five stars and four star type of thing. Um, you know, I know if you were a college coach at the time, uh, you would probably uh, find a diamond in the rough like myself. Um, but uh, as far as the recruiting process went for me, I was getting recruited by pretty much every big school in the nation and the country. And uh, and what I wanted to do was to narrow it down to a Midwest uh, Midwest team. So I knew I wanted to play tough, uh, hard nose, run the ball type type of uh, football. So I knew that type of football was in the Midwest. So uh, before the process even started, I got rid of the Florida States, the Floridas, the you know Southern Cal uh, uh, USC's, uh, everybody out west. And I said, you know, I'm I'm either going to go to a Notre Dame type school, Ohio State, uh, a Big Ten type school. But those are the types of schools I wanted to go to. So um, from there, uh, you know, I got recruited by the Penn States, the Notre Dames, uh, all the mid the Syracuse at the time. Even, um, you know, I was getting recruited by the Midwest Western schools. And, uh, you know, it kind of uh, took off from there. So. But uh, the whole process was uh, was was much different. Um, you didn't have as many camps to go to for exposure. Uh, so the coaches back in the day, I give them credit. They had to do their due diligence uh, in, re in regards to finding uh, talent. So, yeah, no um, doubt, coach. And it's, it's a lot. It seems like it's a lot um, you know, easier to to find the kids these days. 
because there is the more exposure. There's the seven on seven. There's the camps, you know, the regional camps. There's the national camps. Um, there's so much more access to video. But obviously the competition uh, to get these kids is so much, uh, you know, so much rougher. And you've got so many more people coming at them. Just tell us a little bit about, um, you know, how you guys handle that uh, now at, at TSU and uh, what your goals are when you're going out and starting your recruiting process? Well, for us at, uh, at TSU, uh, right now, we're just trying to make sure everybody who comes to TSU uh, or who wants to be a part of our program buys into what Coach George's vision is. And, uh, you know, uh, aesthetically, we might not look the same as other schools, uh, but um, as far as everything else in the program, uh, being able to play a top brand of football, uh, in a great conference, uh, being able to get a great education from a great accredited university. Um, all of the, all of those things we're trying to make sure people understand when we recruit, uh, recruit them to our university. So, you know, we want them to buy into the vision and uh, understand that we're going to continue to grow and expand facilities, things like that. But, um, we want to develop a culture that wants to come here, work, uh, on and off the field. And, uh, you know, uh, work for what we get and, and get the, the wins that way. Coach, you've had a lot of influences throughout your entire life from, you know, not only you know playing for John Cooper at Ohio State, but the players you had in your locker room, which one of them you're working with today, but to uh, Bo Pelini during your time at Youngstown State, uh, Doc Holliday. What who like was the biggest in like who are the biggest influencers on you to not only who you were as a player but now looking as a coach helping directing those young men be not only good on the field but good later on in life too as well 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 as a as a player you couldn't get any better uh person as a leader and uh a teammate than Eddie George so you know I got to see firsthand every every day the way he came to work um you know, his work ethic uh, influenced me, uh, the way he approached the game on and off the field. Uh, so that was something that a lot of people aren't privy to that I got a chance to experience. So the respect that I have for Eddie, uh, not only as a player and then now as a coach, um, is is off the charts. Um, uh, regarding being a coach, you know, I started my career uh, at, in an NAI institution, Ohio Dominican, mm -hmm. with Coach Dale Carlson. Um, he kind of he kind of showed me uh, how to organize as a head coach, uh, how to be organized and organized practice, things like that. Um, I, I also learned that from head coach Bill Connolly, who once we transitioned to Division two at um, Ohio Dominican, um, I learned that from him. Bill Connolly was a was the recruiting coordinator at Ohio State for a, a, a bunch of years in those night the years of the 90s. We had some of the best teams around. Uh, so, you know, he was he was responsible for for that. Uh, and then going to a school like Youngstown State with Bo, um, I was there for a quick, quick uh, stint. Yeah. Uh, but then getting the opportunity at Marshall and Marshall is where I really uh, believe that I came into my own as a coach, because you know, there, were, there were a lot of different Marshall's a different place. Uh, there are a lot of different uh, things that you had to. Uh, go through as a coach that uh, I believe helped me grow as a coach, become a better coach um, for what I am right now. So um, it just goes full circle. Now I'm at TSU with uh, with Eddie 
uh, who I respect. Uh, again, going back to our relationship and uh, everything I learned from him. And now we can put kind of put that all together. My experience helping him uh, yeah, do his best as a head coach. Uh, so it's really just a great situation to be in at this point. Yeah, I, I agree, Coach. And, I, you know, you talked a, a lot uh, earlier about, you know, coaches, Coach George's vision. And, um, you know, obviously he's got a tremendous staff that he's assembled. Me and James were talking about that off air. Uh, he's got a lot of guys that have a lot of experience, a lot of knowledge. What is uh, Coach George's um, kind of vision for this program? And, and what are the goals that you guys have uh, as you move forward in year two? Well, his vision includes uh, giving our student athletes uh, the best uh, the best situation to succeed in. So he's trying to make sure that we we have the facilities, we have the meals, we we have everything set up. So all they have to do is uh, go out and uh, do a great job in the classroom, and then go out and do a great great job on the field. So we're trying to get things. So we just got a new weight room, for instance. Um, you know, the kids are going to love that. They love that. Uh, we, we're having an, an addition of uh, coaches' offices attached to our indoor. Uh, so, you know, th those are all things that are being put in place to help, you know, lead coaches' vision. Uh, he, he just wants our guys to be in a situation where they can, can succeed, yeah. um, you know, uh, and that's on and off the field. So providing, helping to provide them with opportunities off the field, entrepreneurship, those are some of the things that he talks about. So uh, with everything he's done, being on Broadway, being, you know, uh, doing a few movies, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, with all the contacts that we have as a as a staff, you know, it's our job to kind of use those contacts and those things that we have in our lives to help our student athletes. And I think that's what he's trying to do. And so he's assembled this staff, like you said, uh, of guys who's played in the NFL. They've been there. They've done that. And uh you know, now we can provide that help on and off the field truly for our student athletes. And it's a win-win for both. Do you feel like things are more relaxed now? I mean, last year it was probably just rushing, getting everything put together, getting on the field. Now you guys have more time to really develop on culture and long-term goals and solutions, especially, you know, going to the spring ball and now going and getting ready for Grambling State in the fall. Well, you know, I wouldn't say things are more relaxed. Um, again, I'll say it's great to have the opportunity to have a foot, uh, have a uh, spring ball so that you can get, you know, you can get your offense installed, your defenses. And now everybody's more comfortable going into the season. Uh, but, um, you know, uh, being comfortable is something that is far removed from what we're trying to preach at this time. Sure. You know, we're, we're currently just trying to make sure our guys, you know, are able to play fast. Um, everything we do is fast. Running onto the field is fast. Uh, there's a sense of urgency with every aspect of our program, and, and that's what Coach George is trying to push forward. Yeah, you're right. I was I was just thinking you guys had more time, and relax is probably the worst word I could probably use right there. So. <laughs> no, there's nothing no, relaxing yeah. about football. Coach exactly, Clark. exactly. I mean, even even between whistles, uh, uh, between uh, – um, uh, not workouts, but uh, drills. That's, you know, you're sprinting from one part to the next. There's nothing relaxed about it. So. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. But it it, it is, uh, it feels refreshing to be able to spend more time teaching in the classroom, our student, our, our, our athletes, 
that's the the biggest piece right there. So we can be more detailed in the classroom with them um, so that they really know what they're doing come fall time. Nice. And coach, I wanted to ask you about something we've talked a lot about on this show. And that's obviously, you know, the new rules with with the transfers and, and being allowed to, you know, move around and go to different places. And I just wanted to get a feel for, you know, how you guys are, are approaching that and and have you, uh, you know, looked to the portal to, to bring in some guys to maybe uh, fill some holes that you may have in, in certain position groups? Well, yeah, uh, coaches, George, Coach George's uh, thing is, you know, we, we want to be a 40-40-20 team. Um, you know, uh, we want to we want to look at what's in the portal. And uh, if they if they fit what we're trying to do here, obviously, we're going to uh, vet the situation and, and see if that's the best fit for us, which we've done. We've gotten a few guys out of the portal uh, that you'll see this fall that uh, will probably surprise you that, you know, they come from bigger schools, et cetera. Uh, but uh, but it, Coach George also wants to, to develop some of the core talent that we have from in-state as well right now. He wants to be able to develop those guys over time as well. And then our recruits that we just uh, recently brought in uh, in, in uh, November, you know, uh, those are guys that we feel that can, you know, we can expedite the uh, expedite the situation. And those are guys that can come in and help us right away. We feel that way. So, you know, there, it's a process uh, and, and Coach George has the plan, um, but it's a process. And we're just trying to, as a coaching staff, we're trying to execute that plan. And I think we're in the, going in the right direction. What's your school's recruiting fr- footprint right now uh, for, as far as high school talent? Well, as far as high school talent, obviously we want to make sure we have our hand uh, on the, you know, the Western part of Tennessee, middle and East. All right. So that's first and foremost. So I know we've gotten out and uh, we've talked to some coaches, et cetera, in all parts of Tennessee. Uh, so that's first and foremost, what we like to focus on. You know, we go up to Ohio, uh, uh, Indiana. Uh, we we go over uh, out east um, to uh, the D.C. area. That's a big area for us, Virginia's. Um, we also go down to Florida. We have North Carolina, South Carolina, Georgia as well. Uh, so, you know, we kind of uh, – our footprint is in that Midwest kind of area. And we, yeah. you know, we, we try to get the athletes from Florida, Texas, uh, Georgia, and, and Tennessee, obviously. But, um, you know, we feel like with those areas in our, of recruiting, we can bring in the talent that we need to succeed here. Yeah, I've been trying to tell James, man, the uh, the East Tennessee's gotten a lot better. You know, when I was coming up, uh, Knoxville, Tri-Cities area, you know, it wasn't it wasn't on par with the mid-state Nashville, Murfreesboro, and, and of course, not even close to Memphis. But the right. the talent around East Tennessee has improved a lot, in my opinion. Uh, just what do you think, Coach? Do you think it's gotten better over here in uh, in, in the uh, East Side of, uh, t- of Tennessee? Well, I, I know one thing. That's getting out this uh, past fall, uh, getting out to some games, uh, seeing some high school players uh, from this area out east and out west. Um, we certainly came back as a staff and said, hey, you know, we can win with the talent here. If we didn't go anywhere else, we can win with talent right here in, uh, in Tennessee. Uh, so but uh, there's definitely enough talent. There's definitely enough of talent to go that we need for any position on our team. Um, 
you know, they have the quarterbacks in Tennessee. They have the skilled players in Tennessee, and they have the O-linemen and, and, and D-linemen in Tennessee. So uh, we really don't have to go outside of the state, but, um, you know, we, we do that because we, we want to compete with everybody. We do have to go out of state uh, because we want to compete at a high level. What do you think your biggest selling point is to parents, to kids, for them to come to Tennessee State? Because I, I can only imagine you've got like a whole quiver of arrows sitting in your back pocket. What? Do, but what do you think yours, your biggest asset is to sell to bring kids to school there? Well, it's really, uh, you know, the culture, the coaching staff, and the city. All right. So, I mean, you can't – I mean, the city of Nashville – Selling that to a kid is is easy. You look at everything that you can possibly do in the city of Nashville. I yeah. mean, downtown is great. If you want to go downtown and just walk around, you, you want to be a part of something, you can go downtown. You can get done whatever you need to do right here in the city. Um, and, and that's a selling point. The coaching staff, with all of the experience of guys that's been in the NFL, myself, Coach George, uh, you know, Coach Fish, who's coached in the NFL, uh, and his staff, Joe Bowden, who played in the NFL with uh, uh, Coach George, and Clyde Simmons, who's played with the Browns and the Philadelphia Eagles. So, the coach, you know, just selling the coaches and what they've done as well. Uh, I mean, you're not going to get any better technical coaching from anybody in the country. Um, so, that's also a selling point. And then just the experience at the university uh, with the culture. Uh, being at an HBCU um, and in the culture that Coach George is trying to implement here, I mean that that normally is a is a great selling point to all the guys we bring in, and they buy if they buy into it, then you know the the rest is history. We're we're going to rise real quickly. Yeah, no doubt, Coach. Well, we wish you the best of luck, Coach. We uh we we love what you've been doing. Well, you got another question? I got one more question. I was oh, looking at your wrong uh, schedule, Coach. I didn't realize you are kicking off out in uh, Cheney uh, against Eastern Washington. Uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> are you going to have sunglasses on for the glare that comes off that red uh, that uh, red turf they have? <laughs> oh, man, yeah. I, <laughs> yeah, that's, you know, I think I, I first saw that uh, field uh, when I was coaching in Division Two, And yeah. uh, one of the teams we were playing, were, were, you know, uh, we were uh, kind of looking at the film, and I said, "Wow, I've never seen that before." Uh, <laughs> a, red, a red football field. I know you got Boise at, with the blue, but uh, but the red is something very different. And so that'll that'll be a, an experience for us all when we go out there. Oh, completely. I mean, it's so hard to watch on TV because it's just so bright. I mean, right. it, 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 I can't even imagine like playing in that. Or even at like Central Arkansas, that's got that what gray and purple back, right. like back and forth. I mean, oh, at least yeah. there's some transition to it, but yeah, I'm like, it's, it's, yeah. it's odd. It's odd, but uh, you know, it doesn't take away from the team they got out there. They they got oh. a really good team. Um, they got a really good fan base. They got history. Uh, yeah. So you know, we're going. We got to get our guys ready to go play that game, and uh, we're excited to do it. So um, it, it's going to be a fun time. Nice. Well, we'll have to try and get over and come see you, Coach. I, I've I've been following you. I I uh, grew up here in Tennessee, and I played at Knoxville Catholic High School uh, here in Knoxville. But my family's originally from Ohio, so I went up and played at Ohio Wesleyan, which is uh, okay. Division Three 
up in Delaware, and and now I'm back down uh, in Tennessee. So uh, I've been yes, I've been sir. following you around a little bit, but uh, we'll have to come over and and try and get to a game this year and check you guys out because we're real excited about what you're doing, uh, Tennessee State. Absolutely, anytime. Just let me know. All right, coach. Good yeah. luck to you, and thank you so much. I know you get you've been busy and had a rough weekend, so uh, I appreciate you uh, taking the time to come on today and give us a few minutes. Appreciate you having me. Thanks. All right, coach. Have a good thank one, you, and thank coach. you again, man. We appreciate you so much. You too. Thank you, guys. Have a good one. All right, coach. you now. Wow, that was awesome. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I feel like I know a lot more about that program and know a lot more about what to do uh, to build a program. You know, coach has been around. Uh, like you mentioned in your your questions, I've really liked how you ask him about, uh, you know, the guys that, that he's been around and the guys that have kind of molded him. And, uh, you know, he, he's been in a lot of different places with the uh, Ohio Dominican and Marshall and Youngstown State and um, and now at Tennessee State with Eddie. But he's got a lot of uh, a, a good background to add uh, to the mix and add to what Coach George is trying to do uh, there in Nashville. And I knew he was going to come out with his first comment on Coach George because, let's be honest, that's, you know, why he's there today, too, as well. I mean, obviously, Eddie had a very large presence in that locker room, not only what he did on the field, but you could just tell what he did off the field during interviews and all of his work that he did, you know, prior to coaching. I mean, the guy's just naturally got an incredibly large presence, and he draws people to him. And I can only imagine his work ethic because – you know, look at those Ohio State teams during his time there. They were phenomenal. And, you know, Coach Pearson uh, kept that tradition going after uh, Eddie left to go uh, go play for Tennessee. Yeah, there's no doubt. And, um, you know, Eddie's, Eddie's that kind of larger-than-life guy yeah. who, you know, not only was one of the greatest college football players of all time, but he was that guy that, you know, just was so personable. And um, everybody just you kind of felt like you knew him. And uh, that you were buddies with him just because he was such a nice guy, um, you know, off the field. You know, you, you watch him play and you're like, gosh, that guy's a bruiser. He's a he's a warrior out there on the on the football field. But off of it, you know, he's kind of a gentle giant who, um, you know, has been very successful in everything he's done. Um, you know, whether it be in the NFL, uh, whether it be the businesses that he owns and runs uh, throughout Columbus and Nashville. And also now uh, I think he's going to be a successful coach. Uh, he's certainly building a great staff uh, with Coach Pearson. Yeah, no, 100%. I mean, he's one of those guys that I think a lot of people should look at because he he's not willing to not he, – he's willing to try anything. You know, he's willing to be a – I mean, how vulnerable can you be to going from being a football player to being – you in commentary to acting, you know, yeah. completely outside his scope and – he was willing to be vulnerable and make that happen. And I mean, it's a testament to how he, what he's done even today with Tennessee state. And you know, he's going to get that program humming really quickly. Yeah, there's no doubt. And uh, I, I can see uh, Tennessee state, you know, taking that next step this year, because as, as coach Pearson meant, uh, coach Pearson mentioned, you know, last year they didn't come in till till May and spring ball was already, you know, a wrap. Um, they kind of were trying to fill holes with their roster and, and get as many guys as they could into the program and, and keep some of the people to stay there. And so I think, you know, when you were talking about um, relax, you know, I, I know you didn't like that word, but I, I think what you were meaning and what I knew you were meaning was it's, it's a lot different this year than it oh, was completely. last year. 
I mean, um, everything had to be a sprint last year because you you know trying to install like you know you're rushing to get ready for the game, and now you get time to think about what you've done and be more methodical. Well, and just the human aspect of it. These guys have lived there now. You know, you have your home, you have your family in place, you know, your kids. If you have kids there, you've got them enrolled in the school. There's so much that comes with, you know, starting at a new program and bringing in a whole new coaching staff with their families and everything like that, um, you know, getting settled. And then, um, you know, taking on the task at hand, which is, is building the program. So I, I knew what you were, I knew where you were going with that, yeah. what you meant, um, which I think he did too, but uh, you know, they, they uh, are definitely have a better foundation uh, to build off of here in year two. And I, I just, I like what these guys are doing. Um, you know, Eddie, Eddie, coach Pearson, Eddie, these guys, they could coach anywhere they want. I mean, oh, absolutely. I mean, coach Pearson's been a running backs coach now for, 15 years um, and he could go coach in the NFL. He could coach in any power five D one school he wants to. Um, and, and Eddie could too, you know, Eddie could go to the NFL if he wants to, but these guys want to build these programs and help these HBCUs um, get back to where, um, you know, they once were or build them to a new place uh, where they could, could be. And I, I respect them for that. And I, I think they're going to change uh, a lot of um you know oh. the the programs that they're at and you're seeing already in recruiting i mean yeah. automatically right now you're already seeing it i think that's only going to grow i you know it's funny i was looking at their schedule because they haven't put out their entire ohio valley schedule yet I, you know that middle tennessee state game at in murfreesboro on september 17th yeah that's i mean you're talking about what two schools that are what within an hour of one another i mean that yeah. could be a sellout game where it could be pretty wild yeah, that might be a fun one to go to, um, and um, that that definitely would be, I think, a good barometer yeah. of you know where they're at as a program. I mean, MTSU has been a, a a pretty good football program now for a while, and so I think it's going to be interesting to see kind of where TSU is and whether they can hang with them and um, you know put something on them and, and just to you know kind of talk about. Um, uh, some of the kind of talent they're getting, you know, uh, TSU recruited a kid out of Oakland, uh, which is one of the best programs in Murfreesboro, Dylan King, who's a safety 6'3", 190. He was a three-slash-four-star guy um, who's one of the top 50 players in the state of Tennessee who could have gone anywhere, and uh, he chose TSU. So these are kind of some of the kids that, you know, they may not have gotten a few years ago that now Coach Pearson and, and Coach George are pulling and, and adding into the fold uh, for the Tigers. Yeah, I mean, they're building that foundation. You know, you could just see it right now. I mean, the Ohio Valley is a traditionally a pretty strong conference. And, I mean, you got Eastern Illinois, who's always been there. We know of a few quarterbacks that have gone through there to play in the NFL. Murray State, it, it's going to be fun to watch and see how this transpires. But I'm just really glad he got a chance to sit there and talk to us about not only who they are today, but what their culture is moving forward for uh, the program. Yeah, no, I liked I liked hearing about their their vision and, um, you know, kind of what their goals are. But they as he mentioned, they signed a kid, Dylan Villiers, who is uh, an athlete out of uh, Lakeland, Florida. Uh, They signed a linebacker, Micah Gray, who uh, is out of Alpharetta, Georgia. And then they signed another linebacker, Logan McCraw, 
uh, McGraw, who is a, uh, a pretty good player out of Michigan. So as he mentioned, um, they're going all over the place and uh, they're going after guys from all, you know, from all over. Um, they signed a, you know, one of their top recruits ever was an offensive guard that they signed a year or two ago. Um, Jovens uh, Janvier, who is uh, 6'5", 350, and is one of the top players they've ever signed in their program. And they've got, you know, if they look, if you look in their history of their recruiting, um, three of their top four guys, actually four of their top five guys, have been um, added to the program since 2019. So they're they're really getting up there um, in recruiting and, and starting to build, uh, you know, their their base, their football program base uh, from guys from all over the country and uh, from all walks of life. So I, I got to give this program credit. I think they're heading in the right direction. And I think with Coach Pearson and, and Coach George, um, they've got they've got the coaching staff to lean on. Absolutely. 100 percent agree. Awesome. Well, that was a very cool interview. I'm really glad that coach joined us today. I know he's he just got off a plane. So uh, I really uh, I want to thank him for, for coming on today and joining us. And uh, I hope everybody enjoyed that. Uh, James, thank you for your for your vision and your uh, expertise today. I enjoyed hearing your five guys. I think we uh, gave people a little uh, what for as far as what to look for in the draft. And we'll keep doing that, man. We, we could probably, um, you know, get a little bit further into it. I think we can talk some positions, you know, who our favorite guys are at specific positions. You know, we already talked about that a little bit when we talked about our favorite five guys. But I think we could really dig in uh, on a positional basis and give people an idea of where these teams that have needs at specific positions, where they might be looking. And, and the funny thing is that's going to change, too, as the closer we get to the draft. I mean, heck, this week, the Devontae Adams trade, the the Deshaun Watson trade. I, I mean, now we're completely revamping how we're looking at the draft. I mean, Green Bay is now going to be looking at a receiver. Where, as well they should. Yeah. I mean, does an Alave, does a Burks, does – I mean, heck, there's a handful of receivers I could see fitting in the Green Bay system. Yeah, well, they need to get some some help uh, for Aaron Rodgers. I mean, there's no doubt now uh, with Devontae Adams being gone, they're gonna have to they're gonna have to add him some some wideouts. I mean, there's just there's no doubt about it. Um, yeah, and uh, you know they may have to. We're gonna see some movement uh, as far as these these teams because there's gonna be some people that are gonna need to trade up. There's gonna need there's some people, as me and you talked about, they're going to probably trade back uh, because they have so many needs as far as Detroit and Jacksonville and, and teams of that nature. They may be willing to give up some of their spots uh, to get additional picks. Yeah. So, all right. Well, that's about it for today. Thank you to everyone for joining us. Thank you again to Coach Pepe Pearson, one of the greatest running backs in Buckeye history and one of the best guys uh, you'll ever meet. He's a really, really nice guy and a really good coach. And I think those uh, kids that are at TSU are they're, – they're getting good lessons from, from Eddie George. And, <laughs> Absolutely. And I mean, as you mentioned, you know, what are the biggest things you're selling? Well, one of the biggest things that I would be buying if I was a kid is these guys are winners. You know, yeah. Eddie George, Pepe Pearson – these guys don't know what it means to lose. I mean, they won in high school. They won in college. They won in professional football. Um, you know, they, they've been winning their entire lives at everything they do. 
And I, I expect them to continue that. And I think these kids uh, can learn how to win if they just listen to these coaches. One thing before we go, I want to give a shout out to uh, Coach Nadine Muzeral playing for her first national, coaching her for her first national championship today. Ohio State women's hockey program goes against UMD, uh, Minnesota Duluth. So good luck to Coach Nadine. And good luck to Coach Michael P. Shashevsky. You may have heard of him. Uh, coaches for a little school down in Durham, North Carolina. It's the only team I got left. So I'm um, going for the Blue Devils. Uh, not feeling real good about them, but uh, that's all I've got because my balls are done. Uh, it was kind of heartbreaking last night. I was trying not to cry in front of my daughter and not cuss because I'm a role model now, at least for one. So I tried to keep it clean and uh, act like I didn't care, uh, but I really do. And, are, are, uh, are you going to be wearing uh, St. Peter's stuff next week, though, on the show? Uh, probably not, but, uh, I am, uh, mourning a little bit today because, you know, we won, you know, the, the balls won the SEC tournament. Uh, they looked really good in the first round. And then yesterday just could never get it going, man. I mean, Kennedy Chandler played great, but nobody else, uh, really got it going offensively. And, and Santiago Vescovi are, are probably our second best or maybe our best, uh, threat on offense. He just got eaten up. Uh, by the Michigan defense, and I will give them credit for that because they made it a long day for for him, and uh, we missed him. We missed him on the offensive side. So, oh well, what are you going to do? Yep, I would say next year, but the way college basketball works now is every year every team is completely different and has like seventy percent new guys uh, because everybody either one and dones it or transfers and. That's what kind of makes me the saddest is I really like this group of guys in this team. And, uh, you know, there's going to be 12 new ones uh, next year. So, oh, well, I'm sad. Yeah. I'm sad. Oh, uh, well. Well, anyways, I do love college football, and that's where our focus is. So we can keep uh, working at this. There's obviously going to be a lot to talk about, as we just mentioned earlier in the show, JT Daniels and now Emory Jones, two SEC starting quarterbacks, are still on the market and, and where are they going to go? Um, you know, are they waiting for an injury? Are they, uh, you know, trying to figure out what's the best for them? Are they trying to finish out this school year and then leave? I don't know. Uh, I really don't, you know, we'll have to get them on the show and ask them because I'm not sure what they're doing right now, but those are two guys that are still looking for a home. Yeah. We'll see where they go. James, have a good rest of uh, the Lord's day. And I will uh, talk to you again real soon. All right, man. We'll talk to you then. All right. Thanks, everybody, for joining. This is Man Coverage. Please go on to YouTube. Type in Man Coverage with James Bonneville or Knoxville Nate or just Man Coverage Nate, and you will find us. Subscribe. Look at all these unbelievable interviews because we've been uh, bringing in a lot of talent on this show. Everybody can go and download any show they want at any time youtube.com man coverage thank you guys so much have a great rest of the day adios